Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast giving a voice to anyone who has ever felt like an outsider or an outcast. I feel like we hear certain words in our daily lives today that bring out some pretty intense feelings for all of us. Words like diversity, acceptance, tolerance, justice. What do these words bring up for you? Do you feel angry or hurt or hopeful? I had a chance several years ago to meet a dynamic man who is not only a hero in our community, Fredericksburg, Virginia, he's a deputy in Stafford County, Virginia, but he also stands behind so many of those words I mentioned. Not only stands behind those words, but also lives a life that promotes those words and teaches others how to embrace those words. He's been called the dancing deputy. He's quite handsome. And I know by the end of this, you will fall in love with him just as much as I have. Deontay Diggs, welcome. Good morning. Thank Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to have you. Oh, it's such an honor to be here. This is an exciting journey for us here to do this podcast, and we're very excited to be having some very important conversations uh, about so many things, uh, like the words that I mentioned at the at the open here: diversity, acceptance, tolerance, justice. I, I didn't want to give too much of your background away in the intro because I actually love the way you tell your own story, and. I, so I'll have you share that in detail as we go along. Yeah. But I want to say more than the events of your life, what I love so much is how much you own your story, like truly own it. Yeah. And I want to know, would you describe yourself? Do you describe yourself as a courageous person? No, I, I don't think of it in those terms. I just think of it as being honest and just being authentic. Mm. Um so I, you know, people ask me that, um, especially when I do the motivational speaking and, um, yeah, I just, I believe in being transparent and, and being authentic. That's a good word too. Transparent. So. That's a very good word. Yeah. I feel like maybe you wouldn't describe yourself as, as courageous, but to some that that's courageous. It takes courage in a lot of ways to own your story, to be able to say, this is me. This is where I've been. This is where I'm going. And I'm just going to mm -hmm. stand up and be that. Yeah. Well, what you find and, and what I found through my journey is that there are so many people out there that have similar stories and that are hurting. And so as I began, you know, with the motivational speaking and I began finding my voice and speaking out, um, I learned that there are so many people like me and that they just need to know that it's OK to come out and be who you are and and um, be upfront mm. about what you're going through. And so that's what encourages me and keeps me going um, is having that support. The Outcast podcast is supported by Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Most folks who work here love living here, and that makes a difference. At Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com, they're proud to work the hometown advantage around the clock, connecting local employers to local job seekers. Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com makes it easy to post a job and it's local, so you won't get spammed by faraway job seekers. And if you're looking for a good local job, search jobs and apply online right now. Get the advantage of finding a job close to home at Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Local jobs that work. I love, I love your story. Like I said, I love it in so many ways for so many different reasons. If you, when you, I know, cause you get asked this a lot. Yeah. When you give your bio line, your mm -hmm. short version bio line, what is that? Um, who hmm. is Deontay Diggs in the short version bio line? 
you know, it's, it's really hard to, to, to do it in a short way, but I just say that uh, I'm someone who has experienced significant trauma and I've been able to work through that and be successful. Mm, I love that. I love that. You grew up in such an interesting way. Yeah. And when you look at where you grew up, first, I, want, I would love for you to tell everybody how you grew up and uh-huh. a little bit about that. But when you also when you look at that and then you look at where you are today, what's that feeling like from from A to B? What's that feeling? It is what's that well, initial feeling. It's like. Uh, shock Mm. it's um I still can't believe it like even you know as I'm working on my autobiography now and um I took some time to sit down in a coffee shop and review that and uh, I go out and I speak and I talk to people I have conversations um but to actually read it and I'm like who is this person Mm. so even though I've lived it it's still sometimes unbelievable because I never thought that I would be where I am today. Um, it wasn't even on the radar. Wow. So that's powerful. I, I, I hear what, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I look at my life and I think the same thing. There's a lot of like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that happened or this happened. And there's a lot of that. Tell everybody kind of like where, where, what, what your beginnings, like what, yeah. what was your life like beginning? So growing up, um, I was, for the most part of my childhood, in a single-parent home. It mm-hmm. was my mom, myself, and I had two younger brothers at one point. Um, my mother was addicted to drugs and uh, alcohol. And so uh, it was trying to survive day-to-day, basically. And um, with the drugs and the alcohol came domestic abuse when mm-hmm. she would have boyfriends in and out of the house. Um, I had to go through... Um, years of molestation. There were times where we didn't have food. And, and so um, we, in some, you know, parts of our childhood experienced uh, starvation. Um, wow. And so school wasn't important. Um, school for me was a place where there was food and there was safety. Um, I was going to say that that sounds like it was a it was your safe place, really. Yeah. Your own, one of your only, I would imagine. Yeah, school and church. Mm. And so, and sometimes when we could um, make it to our family, extended family's uh, house, my grandparents' house, um, that was a place of refuge as well. And so that was pretty much my childhood, um, just trying to survive and trying to make sure that my younger brothers um, were okay. Mm. So I kind of took on this father fatherly role to them or parental role to them and so a lot of pain um you know we were told as kids what happens in this house stays in this house wow. and so um you know i, I really didn't have a voice mm. uh, much of my childhood i was afraid to um calling the cops wasn't an option they were seen as the the bad people or the people that would come and take us away social services wasn't an option because we were told they will break the family apart. And so you, I, I had to grow up really fast. Um, and, and so that's where I came from. And so my, my goal as a young man was to graduate high school. I never thought that that was going to be attainable. Um, I thought at some point I would have to quit school and, and try to find a job doing something. Um, and so, you know, getting to the point where not only did I graduate school but then go to college was like wow how did I end up here 
achievement. Um, like, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so growing up, um, you know, it, it was so chaotic and there was so much going on um, that at one point I attempted suicide. Mm. Um, and, and I kind of lost my way for a number of years. How old were you then? I was about uh, 12. Okay. Wow. About That's 12. young. Yeah. And um, my baby brother um, was actually uh, the person that stopped me from, from doing it. Um, really? And not even realizing that he was, he was, you know, the reason that I'm still here today. Um, and so I didn't really think much about uh, my sexuality or anything at that point. Um, it wasn't until much later in life that that even that I was able to settle down and kind of focus on who I was as a person. You had too much going on to think about that. Yeah, way too much. <laughs> Good way gracious, too much. yes. Um, and so I found out probably in middle school, um, my voice became music. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the, the light. In, in the darkness um, and so um, I could communicate through playing an instrument or I could communicate through singing um, whereas I couldn't sit down and really um, tell people what was going on in life the voice it's interesting because I, I see of course I, I met you just a few years ago so I see where you are in your life right now and yeah. when you say things to me about your childhood and how you didn't have a voice um, and you felt like you you really couldn't speak out about anything and how uh, just you found this peace in performing or singing or, you know, in an artistic, creative way. Isn't it interesting how the, you didn't feel like you had any way to do any of that when you were a kid and look at what you're doing now. Like, yeah, it's it's so interesting when we get stamped down so much and when we get shut down and we when we have people that give us these boundaries and unhealthy and abusive sometimes how we just bolt out of that later in life mm -hmm. and it seems like that's that's what you're doing yeah and i look back over my life and it's interesting how whether it's a negative thing or a positive thing everything that happened in my childhood really set me up for success later in life mm. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I, I tell young teens and even adults now, when you're going through something negative, hold on through the storm because you never know what's coming down the line right. or in the future. And, it, and it, it's just giving you that foundation to be successful later. Right. Um, and so, you know, I lost that vision, you know, with the suicide attempt, um, you know, two years after that, my life would drastically change. Um, and so in a positive way. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, you know, it, it's just interesting how life works. Isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's amazing when you look back. And I can see where going through so much of that also gave you, and you obviously didn't know at the time when you were 12 and when you were facing a, a, a moment of maybe it would be easier to take my life. I can see where that in that in those moments, like the seed was planted in you for something later that yeah. you wouldn't know until until a later time that you would be able to use these moments. That's it's it's astounding. Yeah. It's and even astounding. in my walk as a law enforcement officer now, 
um, I mean, probably a year into the job because or into the career, uh, you get your feet moving and you kind of start to understand really what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but going into people's homes and dealing with domestic abuse and dealing with uh, attempted suicides and arguments and things. I'm able to draw from all of those experiences um, and, and really speak to um, people in a way that we connect um, and they can because when you see the uniform, that can kind of be, uh, you know, um, scary it or can be intimidating. intimidating. Yeah. And, and so I'm able to break past that barrier and connect with people and, and really make a change. And so, you know, I, I think back to all of those tough times and. Um, some people ask me if I could, would I change anything? Mm. And I would say no, um, because it's definitely helped. That makes sense. That's, that's powerful. And you know, a lot of people would look back and be like, yep, I would change this, this, and this. But when you realize that all those dots have been connected, mm-hmm. a lot of times you say, actually, no, I wouldn't because I wouldn't be maybe right where I am today. We're talking to Deontay Diggs and uh, he's quite the guy. I'm telling you, he's, he's quite something. And I hope that in this, you'll get to know him a little bit better and hear the message that he has. Um, you're you're in law enforcement. Yes. How long have you been doing that? About 10 years now. Do you love it? I love it. There is no other career out there for me. Really? Yes. Um, it's interesting because, you know, with the viral videos and the potential to do other things, um, reality TV shows and things of that nature, um, people thought that I would be leaving the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, absolutely not. There's no amount of money out there that's going to push me. Um, or pull me away from doing my career in law enforcement. I just believe it's where I'm supposed to be. And I've seen the um, positive impact that I can have on the community. And so um, I love it. Stafford County? Stafford County Sheriff's Office. So you've been there the whole time? The whole time. Wow. Yeah, they were they were the first um, department to, to take a chance um, with me. And uh, Why were they taking a chance with you? Well, I think going into law enforcement, um, you know, you go through the process, the testing process, um, but there's always there's you're always taking a chance when you hire someone because you don't know what they bring with them through the door. Um, When you sit down for an interview, you're going to present the best side. Um, You go through the process and and again, you're going to always present the best side. And so it's after you get out of the, the academy, you get out of training and you get out on the street, you find out. The can real you really, deal. <laughs> can you really do this yeah, job? Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's always taking a chance. And um, I was just grateful for the opportunity. Um, I had gotten out of college and um, I decided to do the reserves. At this point, I know who I am as a person and I realized that I'm gay. And they had to don't ask, don't tell policy mm. um, at the time. And so I was afraid of going in the military active duty and losing everything just because someone figured out that he's gay. Right. Um, and so. I don't think people. Can I just pause you there? Yeah, for a second? Yeah. I don't think people realize how big of a deal that was unless you were personally affected by yeah. it. I don't think they realize how big of a ripple effect that had on so many young men and young women mm-hmm. for there to be this don't ask, don't tell policy they had to choose between maybe what their life direction was going to be based on that. Yeah. 
And then they had to live with the fear of people finding out. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, the 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 impact that that had, I just I don't I don't think a lot of people, unless they were personally affected, really knew yeah. what what impact that was. Well, when I came out, um, I was at VMI and uh, was actually the first open gay cadet there. Wow. And so that brought with it a lot of challenges and no a lot doubt. of struggle. Um, I lost my family. Mm. Um, and I just, in that moment in life, I, I realized that I had to love myself before I expected anyone else to. And I had to um, respect myself. And so there was a process to getting to that point. And so I'm here at this military school. My goal is to go into the military because honestly, once I realized that high school, graduating high school and getting a diploma was you know, feasible, it was going to happen, I didn't feel like I was intelligent enough to go to college. Right. So I was like, military, I'm physically fit. I can go in the military and I'll be fine. Um, and then I hear, well, if you go to college, you'll make more money. So and then you can go in the military. So I'm like, this is great. I'll do it. Um, and so when I got there, coming out was never really um, something that I wanted to do. Um, but it ended up happening. And I, so I owned it. And um, again, my my fear was, you know, here I go into the military, I go active duty and I will lose everything, um, not based off of my work ethic, but just based off of solely who I am. Right. And so I decided that um, I was going to go into the reserves and um, I was going to do retail uh, or that's what ended up happening after I got out of college, graduated. And I ended up losing my commission due to the don't ask, don't tell policy. Wow. And so my fears were like, you know, it, it came to fruition. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was I was really sad and hurt by that. And I didn't want anything else to do with the military or anything paramilitary. So I went into retail and going into retail. I realized that um, that really wasn't the place for me and it wasn't where I was supposed to be. So I said, OK, let's see what's what else is out there. And so I started going uh, through the process for the FBI. And um, that's a very long process. Oh, I can imagine. And I was ready to be out of the retail sector, yes. probably about six or seven months in. I was like, this is, I've got to do something else. And so then I applied to the local law enforcement agencies. And um, I ended up and with Stafford. I went in for an interview and I told them, I said, if you hire me, I will commit to to coming and working for you. And uh, I'll get out of the process with the FBI. And um, and that's what I did. And so going into the department. Um, did you go in with I mean, look, you would you had already been burned. Yes. With the military situation mm -hmm. and what was going on there. Did you go into the department? I mean, what what an uphill battle you're going in to try to start this new this new career and you're going in saying i'm excited i want to do this i'm your guy I, yeah. I i i will work for you guys i will put my heart a million percent into it but then you've got to have this like sexuality piece mm -hmm. somewhere where did yeah. that come in to this new job it didn't for a while um funny story with that because when i was going through the hiring process um you know, I'm, I'm coming into my own. I recognize that I'm a gay man and I'm living in Fredericksburg and I'm connecting with the gay community in Fredericksburg, the LGBT community. Um, and so I'm going through the hiring process for Stafford, but I'm also entering a drag queen 
pageant <laughs> because I've been told you're too masculine. You can't possibly win a drag queen pageant, right? Oh so gosh. I look back at my picture from when I got hired at the sheriff's office and I have these very thin eyebrows. Oh no. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, <laughs> what was I thinking when I did this? Good timing. But I, I go through the process and it's never brought up. It's never mentioned. And um, I, I actually did this ride along process before the academy um, with a seasoned deputy who kind of was showing me the ropes and just showing me what life was like as a patrol, a patrolman. And so it was never brought up then either. And so I go off to, I win the pageant, by the way. Oh, yeah. Which means I have to ride downtown in a float, awesome. dressed up. And nobody recognized me. I was so, my fingers were, I was like, I'm so lucky, fingers crossed. But I go to the academy and um, my classmates no one knew. And so it's it's interesting because as a gay man and as a part of the LGBT community, you find that there's always, when you change jobs or you change locations, there's this coming out process. Every you know, single every time. Every single time. Yeah. And so eventually it came out when I was in the academy um, that, that, you know, I'm gay and, and so, the guy that I rode along with for a couple of months before going to the academy was shocked and was like, he never said anything to me about it. And there was kind of this shock at the sheriff's office, you know, what's going on there? What is this all about? Um, but I have to say um, that the sheriff's office handled it appropriately. Um, and they were very professional about it. And, um, you know, it was just do your job exactly it, it doesn't it doesn't matter um and there were a lot of people that thought that i wasn't going to be successful because of it um they're like stafford's conservative stafford's you know very religious and you're not going to be accepted there and and so i heard those um types of things being said but um I kept true to my word and said, you know, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do my job. And unless something happens, there's no reason to just, you know, jump ship or bail based off of what people believe will happen. Yeah. And so I'm so glad that I didn't listen to those, uh, the, the critics or the mm. criticism. And I stayed the course because um, they've been very supportive and, and, and it's just not an issue. It's it's not anything that we we need to truly discuss or um, talk about daily. But what it has done is, is it's opened a door for uh, training. And so I, I became uh, the cultural diversity um, trainer for the sheriff's department. And in doing that, um, I brought in conversations about the LGBT um, community and we're able to have real conversations on how your words and actions could impact someone or how they could be perceived um, within the community when you're dealing with um, different groups who've been, um, you know, uh, ostracized. Yes. And so it, it's been it's been amazing. Um, and the support has been both um, from the previous sheriff, Sheriff Jet, to now the new sheriff, Sheriff Decatur, um, has been um, amazing. And I always tell people, because I do recruitment for the sheriff's office as well, that um, regardless of your religion, regardless of your skin color or anything else that we look at that divide us, um, that if you want a place where you can come and, and just do your job and be a part of the community, then the Stafford Sheriff's Office is it. What an amazing example for the rest of the nation uh, for Stafford to to stand up and say, 
we want him because we want him. Yeah. We want him to just do his job and he's doing a great job. Not only were you doing your job, but then now you have been able to grow in that job mm-hmm. in such a way to open up conversations in our community, open up areas in our community that really don't you want those areas to grow as a community don't you say to yourself we want our people to be protected we want our people to feel safe and this is how you do it i mean you've been able to do that what a great testimony from stafford yeah and and it's it's something that i like to harp on wherever i go um and and it's really it's not that we haven't i haven't had to have tough conversations with people Mm -hmm. um but i like to say agree to disagree and let's focus on the mission and keep moving. Um, I don't need someone to accept my being gay. I need you to respect me mm-hmm. and, and let's focus on the mission. And so um, what I found is over time, it's hard to vilify someone that has treated you with respect and, and kindness and um, and has continued to be there for you in your time in, of need. And so that's what I, I try to do. Um, it's less about... Um, what people say it's more so about the actions and so in the community i've had you know people approach me and want to have conversations whether it be about race whether it be about sexual orientation and um i've actually encouraged people that you know your child's going to be fine they can be successful um you know i've had parents who have been concerned my child's not going to be able to do anything in life no they can you just need to support them and love them and um, be there for them and so it's it's been amazing. Uh, I had one funny thing happen. Um, I was at a training one time. And it's interesting how people look or what they think a gay man would be or yes, look like. Yes. And so I'm sitting in the training and I'm asked, uh, you know, about the gay deputy at the Stafford Sheriff's Office. And so they're talking about me to me. And they don't even know they're th- talking. They don't know. And that it's so, you they're talking about. Yeah. What do you think about him, man? Wow. I think he's a pretty cool guy who I does his job. I think he's awesome and very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> That's been... That's great. It's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting journey, but, um, you know, and especially with the, uh, you know, law enforcement has gotten a bad rap in the media. I was going to ask you, too, about that. I, yeah. I mean... You've opened up a lot of conversations for a lot of people and have been part of a lot of conversations that I think are extremely important. You know, we've been talking a little bit about the the gay piece here and about the fact that you've opened up a lot of conversations regarding relationships um, with the LGBT community. Where does race play a factor in those conversations that's another conversation you are also in on yeah yeah definitely well i growing up i had issues with racism um and it's interesting because hearing my mother speak um i kind of had the perception early in life that um i had to watch out for white people white Mm. people were racist Mm -hmm. um and so that's just how I um, looked at life, how I viewed life. And so at the age of about 13 or 14, I got the opportunity to leave all of the trauma and um, the chaotic environment from which I was raised. And I moved to North Carolina with a white family. So my mom basically gave me away to strangers. And so talk about shock because 
Right. I, I'm now in this place where it's predominantly white. Um, there's Being a, raised by a white family. Well, white family. Um, the Confederate flag, as people commonly call it, the battle flag of um, uh, Robert E. Lee, I'm sorry, Robert E. Lee's battle flag um, was prominent in the area, part of the family. Um, and so a lot of the things that I was taught and that I was so sure was correct um, were challenged mm -hmm. in this new environment. And so that I thought or I, I know really um, pushed me uh, to start looking at life a little bit differently. And so I, I saw people with this battle flag and and but yet they embraced me as part of the family. So, you know, the family wanted me to be there and they didn't care that I was black. And, and so I'm like, OK, so now everybody that displays that flag or flies that flag, I know can't be racist. Right. And so then I ch was challenged with um, finding that there were people in the community who were black who had an issue with me being with this white family. Wow. And so now I'm like, what is going on here? It's not possible for black people to be racist, right? You know, right. What, how does this, how is this working? And so people are now mad at me for living with white people, but do they understand and know where I came from? They right. didn't even want to take the, the opportunity to listen or the chance to listen to that portion of it. And so I then learn um, there's another side to this. Mm. And so coming into law enforcement and, and hearing some of the arguments, um, I'm able to speak to it from a real place because I lived it. Mm -hmm. um, living in an environment um, with drugs and, 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 and all that that brings and, and knowing that I was taught that you don't call the police because they're bad or they're, they're this or they're that. Um, so I get that perspective of it. And now I get the other side because as a law enforcement officer, I see, you know, why we do things the way we do them. And I can really speak to that um, in a fair way, in a balanced way. And so it, it's been um, I've been able to open people's eyes and in, in, in the community, um, especially in, in the black community or the black people that are part of this community. And we've been able to have some real conversations um, you know, I've, I've pulled people over before and they said, you know, you stopped me because I'm black and they never look up to, to see who stopped them. That's mm. just the first thing out of their mouth. Sure. And so I could understand, you know, someone who isn't a minority, that's a law enforcement officer um, stopping someone and hearing that no one wants to be labeled as a racist. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be on, you know, CNN or, or Fox News um, and put into this, you know, crazy media storm. Yeah. And be labeled like that. So there's some real fear on both sides. And so I think you bridge that gap through communication and just approaching it in a in um, a real authentic way. And you, I mean, goodness, have not just talked about every corner. You've lived in every corner. I mean, yeah. that that right there just gives you. I don't know. It just gives you such an opportunity. Um, I do want to before we have to close uh, this one, I, I want you to come back. And we're, yeah. I've got about 8 million more questions for you, <laughs> but I want to tell everybody your website. You're a fantastic yes. speaker and uh, quite a, a dynamic person, inspirational person to, to even just sit down with and chat with. Your website where they can see everything you do. Yes, it's www.deontaydiggs.com. That's D-E-U-N-T-A-Y-D-I-G-G-S. And uh, there you can connect with me on all my social media 
and um, reach out as well. Will you come back for one more show? Absolutely. I love it. DeontayDiggs.com is the website, and you can find him there, the very cute dancing deputy (laughs) that would love to sit down and chat with you. This is The Outcast. I stand with you, and I stand for you. And you can always get in touch with me uh, via email, D-E-E at WBQB.com. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting.